It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, it's a fun day today. I'm excited about this show. We have Bill Krakenberger on, Crack Wins. He joined us. Uh, Frankie Sidoris is going to join us, the guitarist for Slash and the Conspirators and Mammoth. Wolfgang Van Halen's new band that's opening up for Guns N' Roses tomorrow night. Uh, Frankie lives here in Vegas. He's diehard Vegas. I'm best friends, great friends with his dad. His mom's a famous entertainer here in town. He's a big Golden Knights fan. They played last night in San Jose, and now they've arrived here in Vegas for the big rock concert, the first ever rock concert at Allegiant Stadium. I mean, are you kidding me? Guns N' Roses, and then in November we have the Rolling Stones? I mean, this... Build it and they will come. Mark Davis doesn't build that stadium with the help of the Adelson family, Governor Sandoval. Everybody involved in that process, we don't get these concerts. Or we could. And there could be a problem with T-Mobile being empty or the MGM Grand. Now we got a football stadium. We can put it in there and have a great time. So I'm excited to talk about this. Frankie joining us here in about 20 minutes. Uh, We get the opportunity as the flagship to carry these press conferences. Uh, Let's go to Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator of the Raiders, who spoke to the media a few minutes ago. Guys, uh, have have they been able to show you uh, much? And what's your overall feeling of where this defense is right now? Well, you know, that that joint practice was very good for us. It kind of gave us a little bit better idea. Uh, You know, right now we're just trying to create a lot of depth. Uh, especially at the linebacker position. You've seen the guys play a lot of positions. Uh, you've credit to Coach Smith. He's always had that philosophy, the more you can do in there, and we've had to use that. So, yeah, I mean, you get a chance to look at a lot of these second and third type guys and see who can help us and how we can create more depth. Coach, uh, John Gruden yesterday said that Amik Robertson seems like he's more at home on the outside. Uh, he played a nickelback last year. I know you weren't here last year, but what went into that decision to switch him or at least give him the flexibility to play some outsides? Right. Well, it goes back to the more you can do. I, I've been impressed with him now. We played uh, you know, some man coverage last week just to see his skill set. He did a good job as a nickel. He did, a, you know, had an opportunity for a pick on the perimeter. So, I, you know, I think with these guys, you're, you're hoping that they play things enough that they start feel comfortable and they can sh- utilize their skill set and show us their skill set. So the way he's, you know, done some things on the inside, we feel like it's getting more consistent. And then on the outside, I think he's getting more comfortable with the techniques. Coach, are you feeling more comfortable uh, with Nate Hobbs kind of going into the regular season? Yeah, he, he's been pretty consistent for us. You know, I think we're, again, trying to find out what he does well. And, um, you know, you can put a lot on his plate. Uh, you know, he seems to be around the ball quite a bit. Uh, makes plays when, when, when we do call his number. So, you know, I, we're still learning about him, but uh, he's been pretty consistent from practice in the games. It, it's not too big for him, that's for sure. Carl Nassib and um, Cleve Farrell on that second unit, uh, is that kind of where they're fitting in right now? And yeah, yeah, you know, I think, like I mentioned when we first met, about you can never have enough rushers. So we're trying to develop that second-tier rush group. You know, the guys that can come in and keep the first group fresh and how to make it to where, you know, they all have a role and they all feel like they have, they're a part of it. So that's what we're trying to develop now and seeing, all right, what's the best matchup? Who's, the, you know, who's that second group that's going to come in and provide that rush that we need? Can't 
Uh, from day one, I think, you know, he's been at TCU. He's more of a quarter safety, um, you know, playing that role. He has good coverage skills, uh, good awareness, good instincts. But now some of the things we're asking to do, I mean, we do some of those things, but it's a different world for him. So I think from the beginning where it just felt like he was kind of feeling the position out a little bit, kind of getting a feel for what is asked of him to where you're starting to see him, you know, take more ownership of it. So we're seeing more and more flashes from him. He's a guy that is really steady. I mean, you know what you're going to get, not too high, not too down, very consistent. You know, for a young guy, he's got that pro mentality that we like. So, you know, we just got to keep continue to see him play faster and faster. It's still not where it needs to be yet. When Nick was down for a while, has that changed what you guys do at that position? What, Nick Morrill? Yeah, I mean, right now we're looking for who's that guy that's going to take charge. You know, obviously Nick Kotowski is a, a good player for us, and we feel good about him, but who's that next guy? And, um, you know, th that's what we're looking at now, and you're seeing a lot of mixing and matching. You know, Asmir Belize was an outside linebacker. We moved him inside. Tanner was an outside linebacker. We moved him inside. So we're trying to get these guys where you can create more depth, especially at a position like that. Obviously there was a rumors of a trade <laughs> out there. Um, Assuming all that works out with Denzel Perryman, uh, where does he fit into the whole thing? I appreciate you phrasing it that way. <laughs> um, you know, Denzel, we have a, a lot of history with him just from our time back with the Chargers. So he, he's, a, he's a very good leader, very good pro. Uh, you know, he brings some explosiveness to us. He's, uh, he's got very good instincts. He understands the package and what is asked of him. So, you know, we just need to create some more depth there. And, uh, you know, because of some of the situations we've been in. So, you know, healthy and, you know, come back in and, and able to play, it'll be a good addition. I think he'll fit in well with that group, too. Pass rush and, and uh, generating turnovers as, like, organizational priorities. How do you evaluate risk assessment and maybe you're going to make yourself vulnerable in other areas? Right. Well, I think that's big. And we've been harping on us, especially, you know, our first game. It's going to be, you know, you got to be able to defend the run, too. So we can't have just rushers. So I'm really uh, pleased with how the defense line, Coach Marinelli, you know his mindset. They're going to be a, a, a group that's tough and finishes. And he's building that mindset. Hey, we're just not pass rushers now. We're also guys that, you know, can defend the run. And just where Max is, I think. I think he's really bought into that. He's always been that guy that takes pride in being that complete first, second, and third down player for us. I know you weren't here last year, but tackling was an issue at times. Uh, is tackling something you can work on? It's a fundamental thing you can get better, or is it something that personnel will, will make it better? Well, I would say this with our package. It's not, you know, it's not a package that has 30 different coverages, 30 different pressures, all new each week. You know, we're trying to do a lot of the same things over and over again. And with that, it really gives us time to do a lot of work on fundamentals. So every day there's tackling involved in it. And we can have time to do that. Each position groups make time for that. So, I mean, the different leverage tacklings, we communicate on tackles, where the leverage is coming from. So it's been a big emphasis, and we're seeing it cleaner and cleaner. Now our first group really hasn't, you know, got an opportunity to to do it live other than the joint practice. So, but we're seeing enough of it in practice where we're seeing our leverage improve. So Mike Diablo's come 
back out on the uh, practice? What has he shown you, and, and is he somebody that you can feel comfortable with plugging in early? Right. I, I think with him, he's got very good pass instincts. Here is a safety that uh, we think, you know, he's 225-plus pounds. You know, so for him, it's just defending the run. But just seeing him now in practice, even the last couple of days, his instincts run past. You know, we kind of put a lot of stress on those guys that way. He just feels like, you know, for him, it kind of smells different. You know, you can't really maybe explain or, you know, never ask him. But with those players like that, they, they just get it. And it seems like at this point that he's a guy that has pretty good instincts. So we'll still have to see versus the run and putting it all together. You guys obviously address the pass rush this offseason. What needs to happen for you guys to be better at the run defense? What do you want to see in that regard? Well, run defense is really a big mindset, you know, because there's, it takes a lot of strain. And you see, like, interior, right? I mean, we, we really try to get big inside, you know, uh, you know, a Phylon, a Q, a Solomon. You know, Solomon has that versatility for us. He can also play big end for us. So we have the ability to get bigger you know, if needed. So to have guys like that in Vickers is a three-technique big end. So we're trying to create enough flexibility that those games that we have to get big or certain situations we can. And uh, But it, it, it's really a mindset, um, you know, good technique, doing it over and over again, and, uh, you know, our get-off. And that's really right up Coach Marinelli's alley. You guys are getting the Diablo back. What excites you about him? What do you see like about him out of the draft process through? Well, he's you know, anytime you have a linebacker that's got speed, which he has, good speed, he's got really good length too. And I think that helps in some of the things that we do. Uh, as matchups, he's a taller guy. So, you know, if he is matched up on a tight end type, you know, when you do that, possibly with a linebacker, you know, he's got the size and he's got the coverage skill set because of his safety experience. So, you know, his big question is, you know, I, I think he'll come along. He's not where he needs to be in the pass concept yet, but we like the skill set. The big question will be, okay, now, now the team wants to run. You know, is he going to be able to utilize his speed on the perimeter, but also in the middle, you know, to get off blocks and make plays? It could look a little bit different with some of these guys, you know, because of their size and their length. Stephen, I think a really nice uh, play on an interception today in practice. How would you like to kind of – I, I think for him, it's the consistency as well. You're right. He did have a good day today. We kind of, you know, try to showcase him a little bit. You know, that's Coach Gruden's philosophy is try to attack different guys somewhat in practice and, and just see where their maturity level is. Can you get them back to back? So, you know, we're cautiously optimistic on him because I think he's, he's starting to feel more and more comfortable what is asked of him. So he's always had the skill set. You know, the speed, the, the quickness, the agility, the ball skills. So just getting him to have more and more confidence on the perimeter is important. But what makes Max an effective pass rusher, and what are your thoughts on orange Porsches? Well, Max is a different style of pass uh, rusher, and uh, I'll answer that second question second. <laughs> but uh, you know what? And it's, it's great for me because, you know, talking to Coach Marinelli, Coach Travis Smith, you know, you get a feel for him. But then also asking our tackles, you know, what's the difference between going against a guy like Yannick and, and a Max and a Carl? And, you know, they, there's definitely different styles. I think that maybe at times Max is unorthodox, so they never quite know how he's going to rush, and that creates a strain on him. So he, he's, uh, he's leaner. He's faster. Um, 
you know, so all, all those traits he has. Now, about the car, I don't know. I mean, if he's happy, I'm happy with it. But uh, I heard that comment. They prepped me a little bit that you might ask on that. But, uh, you know, he, he's great, man. He's, uh, you know, not only is he, you know, taking care of himself and really got a good mindset there, but just how he's helping the other guys. Him and Yannick have a unique relationship. You never, you know, I didn't know how that would be, and they ended up, Competing against each other every day. It's, it's really cool to see how they're really pushing each other. And uh, it's a great type of competition, you know. I mean, I know in, in some ways he's taking a little bit of a backseat here. Who's that? Clee Farrell. Oh, yeah. Um, how is that? Well, Clee's a little bit unique for us because he can rush outside and inside. And again, you know, when you're a tackling, you're going, okay, I got to prepare for Max. Okay, now I got to prepare for you. Now I got to prepare for Clee, not Carl. You know, if you can get that first and two groups, it's just a lot of preparation for a tackle. They can't just hone in on one guy, and they all have different styles. So, you know, we're hoping that's beneficial for us. Okay, thank you. Get on the bus with Gus. Gus Bradley. What does that feel like, man? Gus is a former head coach, so he's done that all the time. Press conferences, he doesn't do much anymore as a defensive coordinator, but when you can hear Gus Go player by player by player, position group. You heard Vinny Bonsignor in the background uh, peppering him on Clee Farrell. What's going to happen to Clee Farrell looks like a second-tier rotational rusher. Okay, Clee Farrell did not win a job over Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. Okay, so he's going to have to play inside a little bit, and he's not a starter there either. But I think he's going to get in that rotation. That's Gus's kind way of saying you're second string. Or you're going to get in, but you're not going to be a starter. And Klee's got to take that well. He's got to take that well and use that as motivation. He mentioned Divine Diablo and his athleticism and his length. And then Perryman and what he does. He fits the system. He's one of Gus's guys. So Gus has a few of his guys there. Yannick Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, and Perryman. Three guys who should start coming up. And you know what my big takeaway was, Bobby? The biggest takeaway of all in that entire press conference is when Gus Bradley said, well, we got Baltimore coming up, and we don't need just pass rushers. Big line, he told you there. As we install the game plan on radio, our version of it, ahead of Baltimore and the Monday night opener, which you got to have interior guys to tackle Lamar Jackson. Look, I could be completely wrong. If Lamar Jackson comes in to Allegiant Stadium where he can't hear himself think, the place is going to sound like Guns N' Roses and a Raiders playoff game. It's the first game ever played there. Lamar Jackson must work off of signals. If you think he's going to throw bombs to Hollywood Brown, then I'm wrong. What he's going to do is he's going to fade back, fade back, fade back. Hopefully the coverage is going to be tighter and he's going to tuck and run and take off. And Gus needs guys to tackle. And he's trying to put and figure out who are those guys who are going to tackle Lamar Jackson so Lamar Jackson doesn't rush for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. It's one of the things I got out of that. Did you? We're brought to you by Sam and Ash. SamandAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. If you get into an accident, use JT's attorneys, my friends. SamandAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Frankie Sidoris, guitar player, playing and opening for Guns N' Roses next.
I think he's got athleticism and range. He has playing speed. Uh, he showed very good instinct, instincts at Virginia Tech at a couple different positions. So that combination is, is exciting. We think he and Corey Littleton uh, will give us two really athletic young linebackers, and uh, we're hoping he can be a fast track. You know, he's going to have to learn quickly on the run because uh, they're not postponing any of our games or delaying the, the startups. Great line by Gruden. They're not postponing any of the games. Linebackers step up. They refresh that linebacker room. Time to get going. Turn it up. JT with you. I am thrilled for this next conversation. Frankie Sidoris joins us. Guitarist for Slash and the Conspirators and Mammoth as they open up for Guns N' Roses tomorrow night. Frankie, a pleasure to talk to you coming off the show in San Jose tonight. Thanks for coming on. Uh, JT, it's been too long. How are you, man? I couldn't be better. First off, tell us about the tour. San Jose last night. I saw the Vegas Golden Knight shirt in the tunnel <laughs> in the enemy's house of San Jose. How great was last night? Uh, it was great, man. It was a killer gig, and uh, I had to do it. I, uh, <laughs> I walked in there with my shirt, and uh, I didn't say anything. I just kind of, you know head forward and then we got a couple of security guards that were like hey wait a second you, you can't come through here you got you gotta go around what are you doing and uh <laughs> it was all it was all good fun i loved it and uh one of the security guys threatened to throw me against the wall for wearing that shirt he's like you crazy you crazy coming in here with that <laughs> it was great well that's I the belly it. of the beast and you're a really big golden knights fan and we'll get to that in a few moments i oh, want to yeah. begin with your career i'm great friends with your dad and i golf with him all the time and your mom's a great entertainer in this town your sister walk me through the early years of your life as a sports fan and then when you decided to pick up a guitar for a living yeah so uh born and raised in vegas uh my mom came from west virginia and dad came from cleveland ohio as you know and um, it was a Cleveland sports team house. You know, it's just what it was. Vegas didn't have, I didn't have any sports representation my entire life. So uh, what cooler than the Indians and the Browns, you know? It's like the Browns had some rough years, but the Indians went to the World Series all the time. You know, that was exciting. Uh, but uh, I also say I was humbled by my Cleveland sports upbringing, too. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, you know, now finally we have uh, a, a killer Vegas representation, you know, which is the Golden Knights. It's not just some team. It was... It's just cool because it was a team of guys that really no one seemed to care about or no one gave a chance to, and then here we are. You know, we end up going to the Stanley Cup, and it's it's still a team with a lot of depth. And uh, you know, we proved ourselves ourselves once before, and we could do it again. But um, as far as uh, you know, upbringing, it was cool. It was a show business upbringing for me. A lot of my friends they only went to the Strip when it was uh, family. You know, family came to town, they would take them to uh, certain attractions. But I essentially lived on the Strip my whole life. You know. Mom was in entertainment and dad was in every casino. And uh, it was just it was just so fun. It was uh, Vegas in the 90s, Frankie, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Frankie Sidoris is our guest. Opening up for Guns N' Roses with Mammoth tomorrow night. Also, the guitarist for Flash and the Conspirators. You know, your dad is such a great guy. He's like Tom Brady. He gets younger. He's one of the only guys who looks like he gets younger <laughs> every time I see him. Yeah, he does. He has the secret. But his Cleveland fanaticism is unbelievable. Cleveland unmatched. Frankie, unmatched. So every time I golf with him and we golf a lot or we go out, it's always, you know, he knows I'm a Yankee fan. He's a Cleveland guy. He'll go back and see the Browns. And, and I love that about him. And I know that's part of your DNA, the passion for sports. To have a dad oh, yeah. like that, how important was that for you growing up? I think it just taught me to, I don't know. I, I love that we're talking about this because I feel like good sportsmanship was always – 
was always it. You know, he was my baseball coach. He was just he was the best dad I could ever I could have ever asked for. Honestly, it's like we play ping pong with friends. We play you know random games. We do things here and there. But it's like it's all it always comes down to being a good sport. And uh, if I could take anything away from that upbringing from him, it's just that's what it was. He, and, and all of his friends would agree, you know, that's just who he was. And, uh, and I, I thank him for that because that was just, it applies to everything. It applies to business. It applies to everything. <laughs> it's just what it is, you know. I'm sure you could agree. Absolutely. My dad's had the biggest influence in my life. So now as we get to your career, before we get to Wolfgang Van Halen and that meeting and what happened there, take me through Slash. And how it happened with Slash, that you're on stage with Slash and playing his band with Miles Kennedy, one of the greatest vocalists I've ever heard. How did that all come about? Uh, so, I guess 2011, uh, late 2011. Um, for a year prior to that, I had kind of been friends with the drummer, Brent Fitz. He's from Canada, um, and he had lived in Vegas for however long, you know, almost 10 years at the time. And so we would just get coffee, just two musicians just chatting about music and touring and whatnot and uh i was playing in a pop band at the time it was kind of a pop rock band and i had done a bit of touring you know i got to go abroad singapore and all over the place but um you know playing in slash's band was never the goal of the friendship right it was just we would just chat right that was all it was and um eventually uh brent the drummer had told me that they were kicking out the guitar player uh before they did the record the new record and you know of course that light went off in my head like well if you need a guitar player, I know a guy, but I, uh, I didn't say that. I, I wanted it all to happen organically. So um, eventually he says, we're going to have some auditions and it's not an open audition. It's just, we're going to recommend some friends here and there, people that we trust and know that can hang. So uh, <clears throat> I was on tour at the time in Canada and it was Super Bowl Sunday in uh, so February of 2012. And, uh, I get the call. It's like, hey, look, we could, we have one day for you to come down here. If you could fly to L.A. and rehearse with us on a Sunday, you know, here's the songs. They gave me roughly like, here's ten songs we might play. And that's where the stress comes in, too, because it's not like, hey, we're going to play these songs. It was like, you got to know these songs just in case. It's like, okay, no problem. So you just hammer them out. And uh, I got up at 6 a.m. Toronto time on Super Bowl Sunday, flew to L.A., wow. go to Burbank, uh, meet Slash and the guys, and um, I just played about four songs. And, and the vibe was just so cool, man. I couldn't, it couldn't have gone any better. You know, it's like you're always in your head about things like this. And me specifically, I'm constantly like, okay, don't overthink it, don't overthink it. And we just started playing, you know, Paradise City, and we played other random Slash songs. And, you know, once we started to play, it, it just flowed so well that I thought, regardless of how this ends up, if I'm in the band or not, I still have a story like, man, I just jammed Paradise City with Slash, and it was killer. We had a great time, you know. So uh, I fly home that same night, well, that same, you know, the next morning, 3 a.m. to Buffalo, New York, to meet up with the tour I was just on. And uh, I get a call from Slash a couple days later, and he's like, hey, it's Slash. Uh, you know, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. What's going on, Slash? You know, uh, and he just he explained, uh, by unanimous decision, we want you in the band. Uh, what do you think? And so... That's how that started. And then I'd been in that band. It would be 10 years in, in wow. March. Wow. 10 years. Frankie yeah. Sidoris joins us. This is amazing. So who are, who are the, the rock gods and guitar players? You know I'm a big Rush guy. And I have all yeah, these yeah. bands that I love and Alex Lifeson and guitar players. And for you, now that you play with a mentor with Slash and you're opening up for him in Allegiant Stadium tomorrow, who are some of the rock gods and guitar players that you looked up to as a kid? 
Uh, well, first and foremost, I have to absolutely shout out the Alice Cooper guitar players, and I'm sure you're familiar sure. with my dad and Alice. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, that was another thing. It was Cleveland and Alice Cooper. That was th- those were the two most important things that I was uh, raised on. And uh, as time goes on, I I just wanted to appreciate those songs more, so I started playing guitar. And then uh, the first songs I really tried to learn were Alice Cooper songs, and and every guitar player he's ever had has been has had a, a huge impact on me. So the names are Glenn Buxton, uh, Michael Bruce, and then you got Dick Wagner, Steve Hunter. Those are the four dudes. But um, other than that, there's the obvious Jimmy Page, Alex Lifeson. Um, you know, I was, I'm a huge Rush fan. I, I had the opportunity to jam with Alex Lifeson and Alice at one of his golf tournaments one year, which if you told me that as a kid, I just there's no wow. way I would have believed you. But it actually happened. <laughs> it's crazy. A Frankie Sedoris and your dad won a hole-in-one. And Alice, yeah. you won a vehicle at Alice's golf tournament. Your, your, your dad, who I play golf with all the time, and I'm trying to reel in, gets a hole-in-one and rolls out of there with a new vehicle. That's the only guy in the history of that tournament to ever do absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, you know the story that uh, who was in his, his foursome there, right? It was, uh, was Don Alex? Felder from the Eagles. <laughs> wow, Don Felder so he, Yeah, so they, they golf together in that celebrity, you know, it's a <laughs> celebrity golf tournament, so... One celebrity golfs with each foursome, I believe. And um, what's so cool is that since it was a par three and he got a hole-in-one, it was technically an eagle, you know? Yes. Two under par, so he got an eagle in front of an eagle. Don Felder of the Eagles. <laughs> that is incredible. Frankie Sidoris, as we wrap it up, getting ready in front of the big show tomorrow. So, Wolfgang Van Halen, Wolfie calls you. How did this happen? And also tie it in to Eddie Van Halen and the influence in the meeting because I can't wait to see you play tomorrow night at Allegiant Stadium. How did that relationship start? Yeah, that, so that relationship started uh, on my first European tour with Slash, believe it or not. So Wolf was filling in for a bass player uh, in Mark Tremonti's band. So he's another guitar player. Uh, but they were opening for us in England. And, you know, it was, it was the coolest thing because everyone's like, you, you know, everyone was w- just awaiting Wolf coming into that building because everyone knew it was like, well, it was Wolfgang Van Halen. Like, you know, his, all of his bases and his gear rolled in at Soundcheck and it had all the Eddie Van Halen stripes all over it. And everyone thought, oh, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And so uh, we got to know each other a bit then. And then fast forward uh, about three, four years later, um, the full story was that Slash, after Soundcheck, we were playing in Temecula. He, he had a band meeting to tell everyone that Guns N' Roses was reuniting. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty crazy day for the conspirators because they were like, okay, well, you know, Guns is getting back together, so we've got to figure something out for the next year. And not more than five minutes after Slash left the room, I get a text from Wolfgang. And he goes, hey, man, uh, I'm putting my band together. I mean, would you be willing to come to the house and check out the music and maybe we could do something? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I've been rehearsing with Wolfgang on and off for the last four or five years. And, uh, you know, multiple setbacks, a lot of things that kind of prevented him from getting out there, especially his father's health, as you can imagine. Um, and eventually, you know, here we are. And, and COVID obviously deleted a year from all of our lives. Sure. We would have been out a year prior, but... Uh, it all just worked out. It's it's amazing because considering I'm I'm with Wolfgang, but I'm opening for my other boss in a completely different band. This it's is hilarious. <laughs> this is why I wanted to have you on the show on Raider Nation Radio because I want everybody yeah. to understand your boss is Slash. You play with Slash for ten years. Now you're opening up for Guns and Roses with Wolfgang Van Halen in your new band. 
in, yeah. a, in a stadium, in a football stadium that's never had a rock show. Frankie Sidoris yeah. joins us. So what does this mean to you and your family and your friends for you to open up tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium as you'll look at the torch, the lanai windows, and know you're playing at the home <laughs> of the Raiders? Oh, it means the world to me. Like, I, I can't express it enough. All I've been trying to do is figure out how I could pander to my city, you know, how hard I could pander to my city up there where, with a Golden Knights and Raiders flag or how I'm going to do it. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I got to do it. This is, it's just the yes. best, man. I'm, I'm so proud of this, this city. And, uh, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids that didn't really understand or, or care for Vegas. You know, they didn't understand it. And I felt like I had a, a, a clear understanding of the city at a young age. And I'm always representing it outside. It's like, you know, I travel and I'm in, you know, whether I'm in the States or elsewhere, it's just so funny to see people don't believe that people are from Vegas. They, the, it's always this. They'll say, you know, they'll, they'll ask me where I'm from. say Las Vegas. Okay, well, where were you born? Las Vegas. And like, no one's from Vegas. Like, yeah, you just don't, you just don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, it means the world, man. To play a Legion, it's just going to be, it's going to be crazy, man. I did the tour of the, of the stadium a couple months ago. Yeah. And take us in the locker room on the field. It's just, it's unbelievable. The, the technology and just the, the presentation, the, the windows, everything you're saying, it's just unbelievable. I cannot how, wait to be there. How devastated were you when Mark Andre Flory got traded? Oh, man. It, it, uh, that <laughs> for a couple of days, my wife and I were just sullen. I didn't know, you know, it just seemed like all hope was lost. But again, like I said before, I, I truly believe, you know, as far as adversity, this team, it's so young, but we proved ourselves the first year by going to the Stanley cup. I think we could do it again. I know we can, the depth of that team is just ridiculous. And, you know, our last year, uh, what a performance though. Like that might've been, Flurry's greatest performance of all time uh, of his career, and same with the team. It just seemed like everything was flowing. But now, I don't know. I believe in us. That's all I got to say. Right. It's, uh, Leonard's unbelievable in net, and we still have just incredible forwards and defense. I believe in it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Your dad has changed my life. His positivity, his passion for sports, big part of my life, and I hope to see a lot more of you. My wife and I, I got 11 friends coming in for this show. We will be there early. We know that you'll have the Vegas vibe going. I can't wait to see Mammoth and how you're playing guitar with this band and then sit in for that Guns N' Roses set to see how big that show's going to be tomorrow night. Have a great show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me, JT. I'll see you tomorrow. You got it. Frankie Sidoris. What a story. I mean, the guy plays for Slash and Miles Kennedy, and he gets the call from Wolfgang Van Halen to be his guitar player. And tonight, tomorrow night, everything collides. Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, Axl Rose, Slash, Frankie Sidoris, Wolf Van Halen's big show. I mean, I got chills. I can't wait. Thanks to Frankie Sidoris, and follow him on Twitter. He's got some cool photos. He's a great guy. And thanks to his dad, who does a lot over at Resorts World. And we're going to be doing a lot over, wink, wink, at Resorts World. That fired me up. Andre rising next. Bobby's crossing his fingers. Andre, bad moon rising. No, really? Well, we got a lot of new tacklers too. So we got a new staff. We got a lot of new tackler candidates, and uh, it's being emphasized as much or more than it ever has been in our drill work, in our meetings, and um, 
hopefully it shows in the game because we got some guys that are going to be really hard to tackle uh, coming right out of the shoot. And um, I'm just going to continue to focus on the 49ers and try to finish the preseason uh, the best we can. Uh, John Gruden on what they have to do to tackle, which I think they've been doing a nice job. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Frankie Sidoris, the guitar player for Mammoth and Slash. And the Conspirators, one of my favorite singers out there with Slash, Miles Kennedy. So to talk to him, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you're going to the Guns N' Roses concert tomorrow night, you can call us. Let us know. Where are you pre-gaming? How are you getting there? What are you doing? The first ever rock show in the history of Allegiant Stadium. If it wasn't going to be the Stones, I'm happy it's Guns N' Roses. I'm excited about that, and we'll talk about it. That show is tomorrow. Get there early because Wolfgang Van Halen and Mammoth will open up. And I'll probably tweet out when I find out from Frankie, who just checked in, when they're going to hit the stage, because it's probably going to be early. You know, 7.30, whatever it is. So, you know, you get into a rock show. Bobby and I were talking. We like to go to rock shows at like 10 o'clock at night, then end at 2. This isn't the case now. These are early shows. Get in there early and have a good time and have a lot of fun. So what's happening now with the Raiders is they got the linebacker that they needed. Now, is he the best linebacker that they wanted? I don't know, but Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise in San Diego, just texted me. Lee Hamilton, former voice of the Chargers. Okay? He said, JT, you'll love Denzel Perryman. Style of play and personality, Hacksaw. There's a guy who knows the team better than I do, and he thinks that he's going to be that great of a player or a fit in here. Again, I'll believe it when I see it, but they needed him, and he's a starter. He's up, he's healthy. If the physical goes right, as Gruden and Gus are talking about, you plug and play him. You, you got. We haven't got to Labor Day yet. You plug and play these guys opening night against Lamar Jackson, and the Raiders are going to roll out a rotation of defenders in that game who should be fresh, popping and making plays in that game. 702-365-9200. Al in Vegas. How are you, Al? Hey, JT. Calling in. Uh, it's good to see Mike Mayax trying to plug the holes mm-hmm. in with the linebacker position and so forth. But I was actually calling because about you guys were talking about the biggest Raider haters in media, and nobody mentioned one guy. And this guy uh, is one of the biggest Raider haters of all time. That's why I had to call in. Because this guy dwarfs Mike Florio and Colin Coward and all those guys, you know. And you would agree with me. The late Greg Popper would agree with me. Al Davis, he'd agree with me. The number one Raider hater in media of all time by far is Al Michaels. Al Ooh. Michaels has hated yeah. the Raiders for decades. Him and it's a, it's a, I can't believe him and John Madden had to even share a booth together because Al Michaels, when Shanahan and the Broncos were winning Super Bowls, him and Al Davis for years would take shots at one another. It's, a, it's a crazy to me nobody mentioned that guy. By far, yeah. Al Michaels, number one Raider. That's hater. good. Yeah, you're right about that. Al Michaels was not kind. Al Davis and Al Michaels at the end. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, Al Michaels is one of the greatest broadcasters you know, of all time in sports and not a fan of the Raiders. And a lot of Raider fans have said that over the years. Now, if Al Michaels, who I've been in the room with once, wanted to come on Raider Nation Radio, I'd put him on. Okay, we'd put him on. And uh, we got some time here if you want to get through because we were waiting again on Andre Risen. Okay, so, okay, look. When they told me I had Andre Risen on, I said, great, I'd love to interview. I've interviewed thousands of athletes, thousands. 
And I haven't interviewed Andre Risen. You know how I prep for my interviews. I get out of the way. I let the people talk. So I want to talk to Andre Risen. So I'm interviewing Frankie Sidoris, and Andre Risen calls in. And Bobby says, Andre, if you can wait about 10 minutes, we'll get you up there. Now I got 10 minutes left in the show. So we'll see if we get Andre Bad Moon Rising. And if not, we'll do a once a Raider, always a Raider segment down the road. But that gives you an opportunity to get through 702-365-9200. Raider Rat in Vegas. Go ahead. What's happening? How are you doing today, JT? Doing well. Thank you. About uh, the Bronco fan. I live in Vegas five years ago. It was a Sunday. I was wearing my Raider hat and jersey and I walk into an ice cream establishment. The guy says, you a Raiders fan? And I go, yes. He says, your coach blanks. I go, really? I'm here to order an ice cream. Then he starts firing some F-bombs at me. I said, hey, bud, I am just here to order um, ice cream. Get the hell out of my way. That's the way the Broncos fans are. Second, the Raiders must go one and one in the season. They yes. must take Baltimore or Pittsburgh. They don't want to start off 0-2 with that hard schedule. And that's it. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, thanks a lot, Bobby. Rock, Bobby, go ahead. Yep, appreciate that. Thanks for the call there. Look, you know, if you wear Raider gear and people don't want to serve you ice cream, that's pretty harsh. I would think that'd be really harsh. So I, I would say, you know, wear your gear, but if you want great ice cream, if you had to tuck your hat behind for a second, that would be one thing. What a career for Andre Risen. Five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, once a Raider, always a Raider. He's got a legacy brick in front of the stadium. Andre, thanks for doing this. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How you guys doing out there in Vegas? Couldn't be better. Take me back to Flint, Michigan, before Michigan State. You're a young boy. What were your influences to play youth football, to play in high school, and become a college player? What was the big break for you? You know what? I grew up as a kid watching football um, like most kids did back in the day. And, um, you know, my favorite player was Fred Blimikoff. So, um, you know, I used to just wait on – Sundays just to get in front of the TV, get a good position to watch the games. And then after the games, we would go out and emulate, you know, your favorite player. And I would have my 25 on and I would be (laughs) thinking I was Freddie B. (laughs) That's incredible. I was just with Fred and his wife, Angela, at the Hall of Fame, went out to dinner with them, name drop. And we just found out yesterday Cliff Branch is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Senior Committee. I didn't know you went that far back with Raider Nation and Freddie B. Oh yeah, and that and that's great for Cliff too. Uh, Cliff and I became good friends. Of course, you know when I was with the Raiders, uh, he would spend a lot of time with me on game day uh, for sure on the sidelines and stuff. And so uh, that's an honor in itself just to be able to say, "Hey, Fred, Freddie B is my coach," and I got Cliff Branch on the sideline giving me pointers while the game is going on. So um, that's awesome for him. Uh, hopefully, one day I can join those guys. Absolutely. Andre Risen joins us. How do you go from being selected so high in the draft by the Colts, first round number 22, and then get to Atlanta? What was the backstory with that? Um, I don't know. Uh, I felt slated. You know, I made all rookie. I had made all the, all rookie teams, and um, I thought I had performed, you know, pretty decent as a rookie. Uh, and then um, all of a sudden, you know, the draft came out 
and I was traded within seconds of the draft wow. for the first the first pick. So um, everybody thinks, you know, and everybody has their own story, but this is coming from the horse's mouth. You know, I had a, a, a tainted feeling ever since I started because I was traded, like, and uh, for no apparent reason, but I guess the apparent reason uh, was for Jeff George, who was the number one pick overall. Yeah. And uh, they ended up uh, trading me after they drafted me first round. They traded me, and um, I never got a chance to talk to the owners. I still haven't talked to him to this day, the Ursays, and uh, I just felt slighted and I felt disrespected. Um, and so I just went to Atlanta with Vengeance, and I made all pro and pro bowls after that, and I think I scored maybe 50 touchdowns in the next five years. Brilliant player, Andre Risen. So you get to Green Bay for the Super Bowl. Take me on that journey to play on such a great team, to play on Super Bowl Sunday, score, and be a Super Bowl champion. Oh, that was pretty awesome, pretty cool, pretty awesome. Um, you know, I played the game for the fans and for my family, and, uh, you know, um, God gave us a talent, you know. It was about maturating it and, and putting it together and being the best player you could be. Uh, ultimately, you want to, as a team, team goal, you want to win the championship, get to the Super Bowl, and uh, a lot of great players play and don't get that opportunity. So I'm grateful and thankful for that part of it, but um, – you know, we we knew we had a great team, mm-hmm. uh, but you still got to go out and execute, and and that's what we did on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, ended up you know doing something that never can be taken away. In the few minutes we have left with Andre Rise, and can you give me an Al Davis story? And growing up, Freddie <laughs> Bolitnikoff, and how how does it tie into Mr. Davis, Fred Bolitnikoff, and you putting on the silver and black? Man, um, Al and I had a unique relationship. I used to see him, of course, at the Pro Bowls and. And whatnot, and um, played against him many times, and um, just always respected him, respected his swag, respected how he handled business as a businessman, and the power that he possessed, and um, the ambiance when he walked in the room, and just uh, the way he just moved. And and so when I got the opportunity to play for him, uh, Rich Gannon had called me, and uh, Rich and I are very close. We were close from the Kansas City days, and so. us in Kansas City wasn't seeing eye to eye, and so I ended up being released. And uh, they brought me in right before the regular season started. They brought me in the last preseason game, mm-hmm. and and I just knew, I just knew that was a perfect fit. As soon as I got there, uh, I got open arms from my teammates who I love to this day. Uh, we built relationships on and off the field, and um, just fell a game short of the Super Bowl, and I hate it. Um, I hate I hate I hate it with a passion too that we we, we fell short, but yeah. at least we brought a championship, a conference championship, division championship to uh, to to Oakland. You know, before I left in 2000, and I you know I'm I'm thankful for that. You know, just to be a part of the team, play with Tim Brown, uh, and play with the likes of you know Zach Crockett and all those guys, Tyrone Wheatley, and um, you know mm-hmm. it was just uh, Charles Woodson, yeah. congratulations, Hall of Fame. Uh, Eric Allen, who should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know. So it was just a great time, man. And Al, Al was like a father to me, um, just that quick. And so, uh, you know, I just tried to be the best football player I could be and be the best uh, teammate and friend I could be. And, and like I said, we fell a game short for the Super Bowl. I wanted to get him that Super Bowl. Hey, in about two minutes here, Andre Rise, and tell me about your life now and your family and what's going on with you. Man, I'm doing awesome, man. I, we just built a new new home, my wife and I. She's two years removed from uh, K-12 
chemo, and so we built a house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, living a great life, man. I have four beautiful daughters. And, wow. Uh, what a blessing. Know, four beautiful um, daughters, Andre. How great is that? Dad? Wow. No, nah, it doesn't get any better. And she also told me that I could take that internship and <laughs> uh, head out to Vegas and, and try to become the wide receivers coach out there. So uh, help, help, help my great friend, Edgar Bennett, out a little bit at the wide receiver spot. And um, so I think I'm going to take heed to it, and uh, I'm going to keep my ties close to the Raiders. Uh, you know, I like the slogan. I love the slogan, actually, and um, they did a great job at communicating with my wife and I, and once a Raider, always a Raider. And so uh, yeah. just try to be a part of the family and stay a part of the family, and hopefully one day be out there in Vegas helping John uh, coach the wide receivers. Let's do this more often. I'm happy we connected. Let's do it again during the season. Get you to analyze what Ruggs is doing, Renfro's yeah. doing, what these yeah. receivers can do for Carr, and get you on a breakdown of game. I do the pre and post with Eric Allen, so you're going to be an unbelievable guest when you come out to Vegas and come out to a game, okay? Man, sounds awesome. I appreciate you guys. You got it. Andre Risen. How cool is that? What a show today, Bobby. I don't know how you did it. You had a rock god, the guitar player. Frankie Sidoris, incredible there. America's favorite gambler, Bill Krakenberger. Andre Risen. We, we, we had to move a guest to tomorrow on our Friday show. Watch out for me tomorrow, man. Medellos are popping early. Tomorrow's a big day, man. Guns and Roses. Frankie Sidoris, Wolfgang Van Halen, rock show, wife, ready to go. Buddy's in town. We're getting after it tomorrow night, man. And I get some time. To relax Monday night doing the event with the season ticket holders with the head coach John Gruden. Sunday, we have the pre and post. Oh, I forgot about Sunday. I originally thought the Raider game was on Saturday, that I was going to go from Allegiant Stadium right to M, but we don't need to do that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm young and I'm super young when it comes to rock shows, but not that young. So we get a day off in between. And then we're at M for the pre and post game show early, I guess. What is that, about 9.30, 10 a.m. for the pregame? 1 o'clock start for the game? 11 a.m. pregame at M. They set up a nice stage for us and a good hookup there. So what a week, and we got one more show tomorrow. Over the summer, I didn't have to come in on Friday. So I was off now. Other than I do a night show five nights a week, you can catch that on Sirius XM. 82, thanks to Bobby. Phenomenal opportunity to host this show today. Today for all of our partners, Five Iron Golf, in Area 15, Remy Martin. Oh, Remy's got all these new drinks. I can't wait to tell you about it. Modelo, Sam and Ash, PT's, Grimaldi's, all Henderson Hyundai Superstar. All of our partners here that help me put on this show with Bobby every day. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.